Hello, this is Jenna Rainey with AE Coach, and today we are going to talk about hurdles to growth. Years ago, we created a Staying in Sequence presentation and article that discussed the importance of building a solid foundation within your business to support future growth. Since then, nearly all of your practices have grown and reached a new level of complexity. Today, we're going to discuss a few of the most common hurdles we see practices facing as they continue to grow. You can also find a more extensive checklist of these hurdles on www.myaeinsider.com. So the first thing we're going to start with is current employees. We all know that if there are skeletons in your closet in this area, sooner or later you'll have to address them or else you'll never truly be free from the day-to-day -day tasks in your business. Some common obstacles as your offices grow are, first one is what I like to call the frog. This is the person who's typically been with you since you started the practice. Maybe they don't like change or they want to mother hen the office. I like to say this person is the one that you can kiss and love and encourage, but no matter how much you do that, they're never going to turn into the prince or the princess. With this situation, the person must be trained up or trained out since the person will try to control everyone or everything in the office. The next point I want to touch on in relation to current employees is the retention and benefit package that you have in place for your current employees. It is certainly an employee marketplace, making the 2018 and 2019 job market tough on employers. It's critical you have a process in place to do effective annual employee reviews, and let me repeat that annual reviews because most of you like to skip over those and you need to make sure when you're doing those reviews that you have competitive compensation. In addition to that, you need to make sure that you have a solid vision for your team to get behind. This is really, really important when we're talking about working with millennials. And then lastly, you need to make sure that your benefit package is as competitive as possible. For example, think of paid time off as something that you can leverage if you're unable to offer health insurance. You should also seriously consider a retirement plan, which is funny that we have to say that since you're all financial advisors, but a retirement plan with matching contributions for your employees. <clears throat> Next up, we're gonna touch on just a few key things in relation to your sales team. And remember, there is a comprehensive worksheet available out there that will do more of a complete audit. These are just the high-level ones that we've seen a lot of this year. So in relation to your sales team, we know this is an area that can get messy and expensive very quickly if it's not built the right way. Some critical things to address in this department are, first of all, defining your investment philosophy. This means clearly defining and having a quality control person, it can be like your new business person, in the office to make certain that your sales team is selling the appropriate allocations and specified models or the correct products. We've seen several offices hire advisors from the security side of the industry, and without buy-in to your firm's philosophy, they go rogue with either products or typically too much risk. Second point I wanna hit on in relation to your sales team is being held hostage by a sub-advisor. I love Joel's philosophy when it comes to his sales team. If they ever want to leave his firm, they are very aware that there is a line of advisors waiting to take their place at his firm. This kind of ties into his mindset also of, do you have an abundance mindset 
or do you have a fear mindset? And if you're operating with a fear mindset, it's very easy to get wrapped up into this hostage situation with a sub-advisor. So if you don't have the right mindset or the correct legal documentation or contracts in place, now is truly the time. If you do not deal with this now, it becomes a bigger and bigger issue month after month, year after year. Lastly, on the sales team side that I want to touch on is data. And I'm sure that you are all very tired of hearing us bark about data. But data is very important on every level in your practice, but it's really critical when we're talking about your sales team. Our advisors used to spend about $800 per family to get them to walk through the front door. But recently, we've heard that number is around $2,000. So if you're pumping out leads for your sales team, but one of them isn't closing business, then we're talking about a very expensive proposition. On your sales team, you need to know who's not closing and where they're losing the people in the sales cycle. With data, this becomes a very simple item to identify and to train up on. Moving into marketing, there are several things on the worksheet in this area, but for today's call, I wanna focus on two of them. The first one is cross-pollination. I am still amazed at how many firms isolate each marketing strategy and then don't cross-pollinate that into their other strategies. The biggest offender that I typically see is PR. You get published, you get on TV, and then you move on to the next marketing strategy. You have to make certain that, in this example, your media appearances are advertised on your seminar invites, in your drip campaign, communicated out to your clients, and so on. Every time you do something, ask yourself if it can be leveraged somewhere else in your marketing strategy. And the answer is almost always yes. Second thing in the marketing that I wanted to touch on, this has been a catchphrase that I have been using uh, for all of 2019 and at the end of 2018. And the phrase is, just because you can doesn't mean that you should. 2018 was a great year for almost all of us. This led to feelings of security, cash, and opportunity to pursue new marketing channels, which is great. However, I often challenge many of you when pursuing new marketing to consider if you were to take that money and invest it in a more proven strategy, is that a better use of that money? Or, can we redirect this money towards an active strategy versus a passive strategy and generate more first appointments? Just make sure that you're pausing when you're considering new marketing to ensure it's the best use of those funds and that you've clearly identified the results that you expect. And then lastly, we're going to just quickly touch on business structuring. As most of you know, this gets overlooked in the day-to-day -day running of a business, but it often rears its ugly head at the least opportune time. First thing in relation to your business structuring is the identification of your ultimate goal. Do you prefer a freedom of growth, a freedom of stress, or freedom of retirement? Your answer should align your practice now and influence your decisions going forward. For example, if you prioritize freedom of stress, meaning you want to work only specified amounts in and on your business, you should probably run a very simple practice with key employees that's hyper-focused on marketing 
and have a clear understanding of how much revenue the firm needs to generate. So if you don't know that answer, really sit down and think through that because that is a major driver in the way that you build and grow your business. Last thing that I want to hit on for today's call is planning for the 60s. We have talked about this previously, but I think it's worth bringing up again. So the 60s are death, departure, disability, disagreement, disaster, and divorce. You really need to make sure you have a plan for all of those different scenarios. The six of these become even more critical if your business is a partnership. Two of the most overlooked, in my opinion, are the valuation strategy or buyout of a partner, and this one is really overlooked when we're talking about a family practice where the child is the successor. And then the second one is disaster. Too often, a disaster strategy is created on the scenes, literally, as the disaster is happening. Hurricanes, floods, fires, and extreme winters have recently impacted several of our offices. If you live in a region prone to disaster, which really is almost everybody, what is the plan for everything from your client files, losing your office, and most importantly, your marketing and cash flow strategy if you and or your marketplace can't support the business? So this was just a quick hit on our hurdles to grow spreadsheet that is available on myaeinsider.com. If you have questions on that, you can reach out to your VP, and you can also reach out to the AE coach team, and they'd be happy to walk through that with you. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. For financial professional use only, 